0: Welcome to Making Connections, a WMMT series on diversifying our future.
1: Hi there, Benny Becker here, and today we're talking about internet access. A lot has changed over the last year, and if you believe the hype, there's a lot more change to come. This episode, we're going to run through the reporting I've done over the last couple of years about internet and the tech economy. Also, we have some updates on new internet options arriving in the region. The first story is from a bit over a year ago. I went to visit two eastern Kentucky counties that were among the first to give every home and office a high-speed internet connection. Alicia Tanfield lives with her husband and two daughters in Anvil, Kentucky, population 1,095. It's one of the bigger towns in Jackson County, surrounded by grassy fields and rolling hills that inspire the slogan, Where the mountains and the bluegrass blend. It's not easy to find a job here. More than a quarter of the population lives below the poverty line, and most people who have jobs work outside the county. That used to be Alicia Tanfield's situation.
0: I was doing merchandising, and I'd have to drive to different cities. And after you pay gas, you're not making anything.
1: Then, things got even harder.
0: My car broke down, so I had no car. I was struggling to pay my bills, and I couldn't get my girls what they needed.
1: Tanfield heard that a friend had found a work-from-home job through the Teleworks USA Job Board.
0: I'd always been curious about work-from-home jobs, but a lot of them are scams. And so TeleWorks, on their website, they make sure it's not a scam.
1: TeleWorks USA is part of a federally funded workforce development program, and it offers more than just a curated job board. At hubs like the one that opened three years ago in Anvil, TeleWorks offers training as well as computers with headsets and a good internet connection. For Tanfield, this was a huge new opportunity, which led to a new job that puts a big smile on her face when she talks about it.
0: I started working with U-Haul in February. I have a good paycheck. I have a car. My bills are paid. I love it.
1: <laughs> Tanfield just got internet installed that allows her to work from home, and that brings a whole new set of benefits.
0: It doesn't cost me anything in gas, and I don't have to pay for childcare. For being a mom of two with two more on the way, it's, it's great to be able to work from home.
1: More than a third of Kentucky's rural areas lack broadband internet. But in 2015, a local telecom company finished connecting every home and business in Jackson County to a high-speed fiber optic network.
2: Instead of being behind other counties like we often are, we're sort of a little bit ahead of the game.
1: That's Keith Gabbard, the CEO of People's Rural Telephone Cooperative, or PRTC. PRTC leaned on grants and loans to complete the $50 million project, which brought internet that's eight times faster than the national average. That top-notch internet has allowed Teleworks USA to bring over 200 Teleworks jobs into Jackson County.
3: That's probably the best example we have to show that the availability of high-speed
2: broadband is actually making a difference in the job market.
1: Jackson's neighbor to the east, Owsley County, is also covered by PRTC's Fiber Network, and it's looking for help facing some even bigger economic struggles. Unemployment is more than nine percent, and the county has the country's fifth highest poverty rate. More than six percent of the county's residents have left over the past five years. Molly Turner of the nonprofit Owsley County Action Team hopes that a new teleworks hub will help people stay. You hear that all the time. No jobs for me here. I'm gonna have to leave. But I want to see that if
3: people are content to live a real lifestyle, that they'd be able to stay here
1: and at the same time, make a decent living. Given how things have worked out for people like Alicia Tanfield, Turner's hopes don't seem so outlandish. Combining a strong internet connection and Teleworks USA might go a long way toward turning around the economy in rural areas like eastern Kentucky. Okay,
0: thank you for flying You all, You have a great day.
1: Bye. Our next story is from this past June, and it starts with some accounts of the hardships that people face when they live in communities where there are no good options for high-speed internet. Jamelia Lewis lives in a little valley tucked away in the mountains of Letcher County, Kentucky. This rural area is called Line Fork, and it's a place with a strong sense of heritage. This is the house where I grew up. Her grandfather built this house, and Lewis has stayed home to help take care of her parents. She has a background in accounting, but she's had a hard time finding work because there's something missing where she lives.
0: I was actually offered a job where I could work from home, but I couldn't take the job because... There's no internet.
1: The lack of internet has made homework a challenge for Lewis's children, especially for her younger son, who's visually impaired. The school has loaned him an iPad that he can use to zoom in on the text in his assignments. But he can't do that
0: here because we don't have any internet at all. I feel like he's getting left behind because he doesn't have what he needs to get his education. And that's not fair.
1: Tina Sparkman lives nearby on a farm that's been in the family for generations. Her family's only choice is satellite internet, which isn't very reliable.
0: On a good day, you can watch a three-minute video if you let it buffer for maybe 10 minutes. And if the wind's blowing, the satellite isn't working.
1: (laughs) Sparkman has a son at Eastern Kentucky University. He can't trust that the family's internet will let him do his homework, so he stays on campus.
0: It's a hardship that we don't get to see him as much, and financially it's more difficult because he has to stay down there on the weekends.
1: Tina Sparkman worries about what will happen after her son finishes college.
0: My children won't come back here to live if things don't change. Our heritage will die here with my generation.
1: There are about 600 homes in the Line Fork area that don't have any options for broadband internet service. In rural communities, that's not so unusual. The latest federal data shows that nearly half of all Americans living in rural areas don't have access to broadband internet. In Kentucky, state officials have been pushing to expand broadband access for years. Eastern Kentucky, long known for coal mining, is represented by Congressman Hal Rogers, who hopes the internet can help the area rebrand itself.
2: In talking about our future, I have half facetiously referred to our area as Silicon Holler.
1: Rogers has worked with two Kentucky governors on a project called Kentucky Wired, which would build a fiber optic network across the state. Lonnie Lawson has been a liaison between Kentucky Wired and Congressman Rogers. At a conference last year, he explained that the project has hit delays, but should start showing results in eastern Kentucky and in the region between Louisville, Lexington, and northern Kentucky.
3: Those will be the very first two. And quite honestly, if we get all the
1: easements and right-of-way issues worked out, it won't take long to hang the fiber. The eastern Kentucky section was scheduled to go online in 2016, but the state is still working to get the rights it needs to hang cables on utility poles. And here's one more reason not to hold your breath. The network won't connect directly to anyone's home. The project is building the so-called middle mile, but it's up to internet providers and local communities to build the final mile that connects to homes and businesses. Letcher County and four of its neighbors have teamed up to make a final mile plan. A consultant, Eric Mills, told the group that they should expect a cost of $40,000 a mile when they're installing a fiber-optic network. It's expensive,
2: but it's essential.
1: And as a region, we can't afford not to get there. We've
2: got to give ourselves a good swift kick in the rear to make sure we compete.
1: Letcher County seems to have taken that message to heart. The county government created a broadband board made up of volunteers from the community. When the board met in Line Fork, Jamelia Lewis, Tina Sparkman, and dozens of other residents were there. Board member Harry Collins tried to get the crowd excited.
3: Let's face it, that pipe dream in the sky of the new interstate ain't gonna roll right up through Line Fork. But this group can bring you the information highway, and that's what we're here to do.
1: The board announced that they were applying for a $1.5 million federal grant to install broadband internet in Line Fork, Kentucky. Harry Collins expressed his hopes in a prayer.
3: Father, we thank you for a government that sees the need of the people and wants to feel this need. Father, we pray that you give us clarity of thought as we roll out this system. Father, we pray that we be
1: able In West Virginia, a new law was just put in place that seems to build on some of the lessons learned in Kentucky. It was introduced by Delegate Roger Hanshaw.
3: I represent Clay, Calhoun, and Gilmer Counties, a three-county district without a stoplight.
1: Hanshaw has first-hand experience with the challenges of life without broadband. My family
3: owns a small hardware store, and there are days when we have trouble processing a
1: credit card sale. One part of the new law aims to prevent delays like those Kentucky Wired has faced when trying to get access to utility poles. Another section encourages West Virginia communities to band together, so that, like the Letcher County Broadband Board, they can apply for federal money. We
3: had missed out on much of that funding over the past several years.
1: Henshaw says with the high demand for better internet, it wasn't hard to get this law passed.
3: This bill passed the West Virginia House of Delegates 98-2. to There's just simply no excuse for service being so poor that we can't process a credit card sale. I think that message has been communicated very clearly to all 134 members of our legislature by their constituents.
1: It may still be years before these communities get access to broadband internet, but in places like Line Fork where people are coming together, hope is within reach.
0: I'm just hoping my little boy can do his homework, can get his education.
1: This is Mountain News and World Report here on WMMT. I'm Benny Becker. Our episode on internet access continues with this story from July. We're going to zoom a little further out and travel to Appalachian, Ohio for an Appalachian Connectivity Summit. Among those in attendance, there was a member of the Federal Communications Commission who spoke with people from across the region hoping to get better internet access. Across the Ohio Valley, more than 2 million people don't have any options for fast and reliable internet. That creates a lot of challenges for people like Heron Linscott, a sophomore at Federal Hawking High School in southeast Ohio. At home, she says she can sometimes get internet on her phone if she stands in the exact right spot, and even then, only for about 20 seconds at a time. Lynn Scott says that makes it hard for her to keep up with school.
0: My teachers, they'll say, oh, well, that worksheet's online, oh, that video's on Google Classroom. I can't get to it, there's no way. So it's just, it's tricky.
1: Lynn Scott was among those who got to share their story with FCC Commissioner Mignon Clyburn at this town hall meeting in Marietta, Ohio. I am especially moved and troubled Uh, By what I've heard today, we have some fundamental problems that we have yet to address. West Virginia State Delegate Roger Hanshaw is also extremely concerned about the lack of reliable internet service he's seen around his home in Clay County, West Virginia.
3: There's just simply no excuse for service being so poor that we can't process a credit card sale.
1: Hanshaw sponsored a bill, now a law, encouraging locally owned cooperatives to expand broadband service. But one section of the new law is being challenged by some of the state's biggest internet providers, including Frontier Communications. Frontier's Elena Kilpatrick says her company is suing the state over a provision that would allow others access to utility poles.
3: Those requirements are inconsistent with pre-existing requirements established by the FCC. We're simply seeking a ruling that the federal requirements prevail.
1: For more than a decade, Christopher Mitchell has been working on broadband expansion issues with the Minnesota-based Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Mitchell gave the Connectivity Summit's keynote address, and Frontier got a mention in his talk.
4: I'm not saying that Frontier is a bad company. I want to say that in our economic system, they have a responsibility to get a good return on their investments for their shareholders. And if we're trying to solve connectivity for rural America,
1: trying to get them to do it is the wrong approach Mitchell argued that too much federal money goes to large companies building substandard networks. He hopes that in the future, more money will go toward local governments and cooperatives who have more incentive to build long-term solutions like fiber optic networks that could meet their community's needs for decades to come. From WMMT Whitesburg, this is Mountain News and World Report. I'm Benny Becker. The stories you've heard in this episode were ones I made with the Ohio Valley Resource, a regional collaboration made possible by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and WMMT. Music on this episode comes from June Apple Recordings. Now, we're going to shift gears and hear about two local efforts to improve internet access here in Letcher County and throughout the region. First, we have this conversation between WMMT's Mimi Pickering and two men who are trying to bring a new kind of internet connection to Whitesburg, Kentucky.
5: Well, why don't we start off? Why don't you introduce yourself?
6: Yeah, I'm Don White. I'm the Director of Engineering and Integration with Fisite Technologies based out of Madison, Wisconsin.
4: And I'm Michael Clemens. I'm uh, President of GigaBeam Networks out of uh, Bluefield and Rich Creek, Virginia.
5: So you all are here because there's something new going on in Whitesburg. Could... uh... One of you, tell us what's happening.
6: Yes, Fisai Technologies has partnered with Michael's company, GigaBeam Networks, to build out a broadband wireless network for the city of Whitesburg. Um, we've got two sites now on air, and we're doing some initial testing and getting ready to launch the network within the next couple of weeks.
5: And is there um, something... Some new technology or something different about this effort?
6: Yes, our our deployment is it's a it's a wireless broadband, um, so no cables, no phone lines, uh, using LTE, which is the latest four G technology that all the wireless carriers use. We've actually been doing fixed wireless since two
4: thousand four. Uh, we're in seven counties. This is the furthest west we've went. Uh, but it's actually only about 40 miles west of our network. So we're actually very close to, to Whitesburg.
5: How does this technology, could it help a rural
6: area? The beauty of the wireless network, wireless connectivity, is we eliminate all the work, all the effort it takes to run cable to houses, et cetera, just by putting up towers or installing our equipment on existing towers. And then we use that radio link to the customer to provide that... Um, that connectivity. In a rural area like this, it is, in many cases, probably the only realistic economical solution. I think the idea of being able to come into a rural community and very quickly deploy a wireless broadband network, that's what we're wanting to do. And we think this deployment will very easily show that it's a very viable approach to providing broadband into areas that are considered tough to get connectivity to.
4: This technology is pretty much, we've seen, the only viable way to extend the network into West Virginia and Virginia and Kentucky. We already cover uh, Union, Mer- uh, Monroe County, parts of Mercer. Uh, we're just going further north with that. Uh, and then looking at going west toward Whitesburg as well.
5: Y'all want to tell me about the event on the 9th of September, what's going to happen?
6: Yeah, we're we're... Throwing a party uh, to launch the network, food, entertainment. It's at the uh, Riverfront Park by the hospital. The service will be available for sign-up from there.
5: So is the hope that the, the um, system will expand beyond Whitesburg?
4: Definitely. Um, uh, everywhere we, we do these deployments, uh, we usually pick a city or a town like Whitesburg, uh, to start with and then grow it from there. Uh, basically, wherever the, the demand is, will be there.
5: And wherever your towers can reach to? Correct.
4: <laughs> or we build them to reach to.
5: Now, there's some people, I know Christopher Mitchell is, does a lot with municipal projects and stuff, but he keeps saying, oh, you still got to have that fiber optic.
4: Wireless had limitations on speed, but now as we're seeing the technology breakthroughs that are coming down the road, Twenty gig. I mean, 20 it's, gigs it's, it capacity, truly is. Just what's being started.
6: done in the lab is pretty amazing yeah. right now, and that just indicates that it's not that far from becoming reality in the, you know, in a normal network deployment.
5: Well, thank you.
1: It's been fun. That was WMMT's Mimi Pickering speaking with Don White and Michael Clemens, who were launching a new wireless broadband service here in Whitesburg on September 9th. Next up, an update from another local broadband service that's in the process of rolling out fiber to the home and other technological upgrades. Well, starting off, would you mind each introducing yourselves?
2: Uh, Archie Average from Heinemann, and I'm the general manager of TBS Cable. David Thacker from Hyman, I'm the assistant
1: general manager. All right, thank you so much. So I guess the first thing I wanted to ask is just what's new with what you all are offering in terms of internet service?
2: Pretty much every customer will get an upgrade in speed, the packages that had 3 meg upload speeds, uh, they've just gone to 5 meg. When we do the uh, restructuring of our packages, we'll only be offering 6, 10, 15, 25, 50, and 100 meg packages. We currently offer 25 and 50 meg with 5 meg upload speeds. We That's the highest packages we offer now. So we'll be going on up to 75 and 100 meg. We also currently offer one gig service in the city of Hazard, and we are in a major project in the city of Whitesburg to do a fiber to the home. Uh, we currently have hundreds of miles of fiber actually uh, all over Letcher County, so we're expanding on that. We're taking it on to the customer premises so it will be fiber all the way to the home but you know we're starting in the city and uh, as we do that we'll be
1: offering the gig service as well in the city limits of whitesburg how how quickly have these speeds been upgrading is this a big jump from where you were say a year or two ago we've been in the internet business since day one and
2: uh, as the need arises uh, so does the equipment and, and the technology comes along to to be able to do this with. And seem seems like it's evolved a lot quicker in the last couple of years. Things have yeah. really been moving fast. So the need is arising. People are working from home more. They're needing more speeds, period, upload, download. And the ultimate means that will get us all down the road for many years to come is this fiber of the home. It just won't get any better than that. You just change the equipment on each end to upgrade to whatever else we may
1: see develop down the road. So a year ago, 10 was the fastest, and now you're, we're closing in on 100. Is that right? Correct. And by the way, we only had 2% of
2: our customers on 10 meg back then. So uh, then all, once there was a, a super need came along, seemed like, and more people started working from home as this economy is taking a turn if you might say for the worst, but anyway, the equipment that we put in was uh, made it easier for us to just do all those higher speeds at one time. Another thing you got to consider here: the cost of bandwidth. We have to buy this bandwidth to send everything out of here. On uh, has come down drastically in the last year. That's made a huge difference. It's made it much more affordable for. Uh, justified to create increase the speeds. That's another reason why we're able to do this. We just happen to be one of the partners that are involved in the uh, Appalachian Wireless East Kentucky Network, and we're able to buy bandwidth together to share in that. So uh, that's really a big deal to be able to uh, uh, help provide a better service to Letcher County.
1: You know, that I feel like that's the place where people are saying that Kentucky Wired could make a difference is creating more competition dropping prices on connecting to the backbone is that do you feel like that would affect you all at all if they do finish the eastern kentucky ring they've been talking about a couple years ago it could have made a
2: difference and they would like to think that's because they created this program that it helped drive the prices down in the market but from what we've seen and the way we've watched it you know in the last few years not necessarily so Bottom line is, it has dropped to a point where I don't see that having an effect with us at all. No, I don't think it'll make
3: any impact on that for us. I think the only people that that'll make any kind of impact on will be government offices
1: themselves. Are you all feeling kind of pressure from the new, like in Whitesburg, there's this new wireless tower? Is that something that that's you know put pressure on you to have these new plans? Is there a connection at all? When you talk about the wireless
2: situation there, we don't... <sighs> I personally don't think that there's any comparison between that and fiber to the home. There is what we're going to be offering is uh, much better speeds as far as upload and download. But anyway, the bottom line on that for me is if we're doing what we're doing in Weitzburg, if we're putting in a fiber to the home network, we're putting up a big risk, we're investing a lot of money, that's as good as it gets. In a rural area like we're in, even in the city of Weitzburg, uh, how can you compare that to the city of Lexington? Look how many homes they have per mile of the same cable investment that we have here. The cost here is going to be very similar to what it would be in Lexington. We average about 25 homes a mile in Letcher County. Uh, what's Lexington going to do? And they've got average two and three hundred a mile. Much more potential to be able to su- succeed uh,
1: to have that kind of revenue. I guess I've heard some criticism of how the federal government approached this in that they've tended to give more money to bigger companies expanding broadband. So I'm curious, from your all's perspective, what, what is, when it comes to, I guess, expanding internet access, especially, you know, around here in rural areas, what, what is different in the way that you all approach it than compared to how some of the bigger companies do?
2: Well, <sighs> The way I understand it right now, the, the bigger companies are not expanding at all in rural areas. We're we local have. people. This is what we is What we do. We provide local
3: service. They're you know, AT&T, which is over in Electric County. They're more worried about New York City where they serve or Los Ex- Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, these big, huge areas where they serve. And they supplement small areas like Electric County out of these large areas. So they're not really as concerned about them. We're from rural area. We're a local company. This
2: is what our business model is built around, and this is, yep. uh, it's what we do. We don't, we we don't have the two or three hundred dollars <coughs> a mile. We know that we have to accept what we've got, and so therefore we try to be extremely conservative. Uh, We are constantly reinvesting what we have back in our company, back in our system to make it right. And uh, neither one of these bigger companies that we know and that we've seen have any plans to expand and do fiber to the home. And on the old DSL type facilities, they're not going to be able to offer higher speeds. On copper facilities, they cannot offer any higher speeds than what they're doing right now. Um, so, I mean, you know, we're the ones out here that's taking the risk. We're, but we're, as David said, this is our business model. That's what we've done all these years. And it's no different now than what it was with cable TV. And uh, I can tell you, once we get the electronics and that we have ordered in place and will probably be installing here in a couple of weeks in Leicher County, we're gonna be set for some time to come over there. Yeah. We're gonna that's gonna be a big deal as far as offering just about any speed, hopefully in the entire county, pretty soon, but we know we'll be able to offer it as we get fired the home yeah. in 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 the Weisberg
1: area. Is there anything else that um you all would want to make sure that people understand about? People really need to understand that the more devices
2: they're using in their home, the more they're using the network, the, the higher speeds they're going to need. That's where we're getting into problems. So a lot of people uh, think that we have trouble with the network. We go out and check the situation out, there is no trouble, it's just that uh, they're trying to do too much with what they have. So, uh, at that point, we need to work with them and help them understand that more, that, that, you know, and they need to experiment with bumping up their package you know that's the reason why there is more packages being offered now is because people's needs at home is growing. So yeah, it costs a little more, but it costs a little more provided, and that's just kind of the way the way it happens to be for uh, any new customers anyway. They can get a 50 make package for $50. And there's no installation fee. No contract on that either. No contract at all, because we were so convinced once they try it, they're going to really like it, that there's no need for that. Uh, Then we also have a 25-meg package for $40 a month. Same situation there. And in the areas where we are offering it, we've already gone from uh, 2% of our people taking 10-meg to probably around 20% of our people that's either on 25
1: or 50-meg packages. Thank you so much for taking time to explain all this. Thank you very much. That was Archie Everidge and David Thacker of TVS Cable. This is Mountain News and World Report on Real People Radio, WMMT. I'm Benny Becker. Throughout this episode, you've heard a lot about how a better internet connection has given many people the opportunity to work from home. For our last story, we have news about a program that's helping to create a whole new industry here in the coalfields, using computer code to create apps and websites. Tech Hire Eastern Kentucky recently ended its first year, and there's been some dispute over the program's success. For this last story, we meet one of the program's trainees and hear from organizers about the lessons they've learned. This time last year, Melissa Anderson was unemployed and trying to figure out a way to keep her Pike County, Kentucky home from getting repossessed.
0: I have lived in that home for 20 years, and I built it. You know, for me to lose that home would have been devastating.
1: Anderson was one of over 800 people who applied for Tech Hire Eastern Kentucky, a program that pays participants to learn computer code and create phone apps. The program began with 54 participants, and 21 ended up in full-time, unsubsidized tech jobs. Anderson is one of 15, now employed by Interapt, the Louisville-based tech company that ran the program. She says she's now caught up on her mortgage payments.
0: I'm working in their marketing team and analytics, doing reports of how many people are actually going into their app, things of that nature. So I'm a numbers girl.
1: There's been controversy about whether the program created enough jobs, but plans are in the works for a second round of the federally funded program to start in the spring. Jeff Whitehead is director of the Eastern Kentucky Concentrated Employment Program, and he administered the nearly $3 million grant that funded the training. He says the second Tech Hire Eastern Kentucky will be run with multiple tech companies as partners.
2: It wasn't the results
3: that we had hoped for, but if we hadn't had that humongous expectation, we'd be pretty happy. What we learned is that we need to create a broader spectrum of employers.
1: Ankur Gopal, CEO of Interapt, says his company will continue the work of training tech employees in rural communities, whether or not they take part in the second round of Tech Hire Eastern Kentucky.
4: We're looking at sites in Kentucky. We've been approached by the state
1: of Wyoming, and we're in the process of announcing applications opening for those sites. Kelly Cheney is a dean at Big Sandy Community and Technical College, which hosted Tech Hire Eastern Kentucky at its campus in Paintsville. Cheney says the space will continue to be used for tech job training.
0: We are partnering with healthcare, with advanced manufacturing, and some other sectors as well. But it's very much similar: having apprenticeships to do the work
4: and be ready for a job.
1: Ankur Gopal says Eastern Kentuckians have shown that they're up to the task and should serve as a model for other parts of rural America. We've proved there's capabilities, there's interest, there's a skill set that is untapped, and that's what we found. For the Ohio Valley Resource, I'm Benny Becker in Whitesburg, Kentucky.
0: Making Connections is brought to you by WMMT Mountain Community Radio. Find out more at makingconnectionsnews.org.